we have uh, looked at. We know that Isaiah 53 is one of those chapters and so is Isaiah 35. It is one that the whole chapter speaks about the Messiah or the coming of the Lord. And so we talked about that uh, for the last couple of weeks here, how that he, when the Messiah comes, he will bring strength. We know that he has already come, and so we have now strength available to us. And we talked about in the first uh, message about uh, three principles or three practices that uh, things that will strengthen the inner man. Last week, we talked about signs and wonders. Jesus came And when he came, he brought signs and wonders, and he still does signs and wonders today. Today we want to talk about, we're going to talk about these streams. He said that he shall call streams to be in the desert. So we talked about strengthening, we talked about signs, and now today, streams. So here in Isaiah 35, we're going to look at this in this verse 6, because Uh, There's a a section that starts in the last part of that verse. It says, for water shall burst forth in the wilderness. I want you to think about that. Think about what it is saying here. Uh, Waters are not found in the wilderness. But he said, I'll cause waters to spring forth, burst forth in the wilderness and bring streams in the desert. And you just, when you think about that, you don't think about water being in the desert. It's parched, it is dry. But he says that the parched ground shall become a pool. And now there's a natural element here, but there's also a spiritual element here. The parched ground shall be a pool and the thirsty land springs of water and the inhabitation of jackals. In other words, in the desert where the desert animals live. Where each lay, there shall be grass with reeds and rushes. And that's because there's water there, right? Because there's water. It is sustained with water. And now this whole, uh, there's all kinds of, of messianic scriptures. And Isaiah 41 is eight, in verse 18 is one of them. He said, I will open rivers in the desolate heights and fountains in the midst of the valleys, and I will make the wilderness a pool of water and the dry land springs of water. And all of these, uh, we uh, just understand that, that he is talking here about two things. He is talking about the natural and he's talking about the spiritual. It's a miracle to have pools of water, streams, rivers in a desert or a wilderness place. And so that is the natural fulfillment. And when you look at Israel, it is a garden. It it is a garden in the midst of a desert. The land I'm speaking of, of Israel. Every nation around Israel is a desert and yet Israel is a garden. Let me read you uh, just some of this, what uh, a man that was describing and talking about Israel and did the study. This is a Jewish person who began studying Israel and the water in Israel. (laughs) He's the author of Let There Be Water. He talks about when people come into their, uh, his lectures and he's telling them how it is in Israel 
and, and this is where it picks up. He says, so he talks about to the people who came uh, up and asked him questions and what they want to learn, explained Siegel, is how this country that is 60% desert and a country that is 60% desert, uh, the whole population uh, increased tenfold since 1948 and the population of Israel, when Israel became a nation in 1948, has increased tenfold and not only has enough water for itself and its people, but he says, how is it that Israel, that 60% desert, increase of tenfold since it became a nation in 1948, not only has water for itself, but in fact has surplus to export to its neighbors. Siegel writes, Israel provides large amounts of water from its own supplies, both to the Palestinians and the Jordians. And it exports, get this, billions of dollars each year of peppers, tomatoes, and melons. And every one of those is water intensive. It takes water to grow those. Explain how such a small country can produce so much water and even supply its neighbors with water and produce billions of dollars of produce that demand water for it to grow. So there's a natural fulfillment, right? But there's also a spiritual fulfillment. And that is that, that we do not have to live in a wilderness when we have come to accept Christ as our personal savior. We may live in the wilderness, but we don't have to live in a wilderness place. In Isaiah 58 and verse seven, it says, you, you shall be like a watered garden. Look at your neighbor and tell him he's talking about me. Half of you didn't do it. Look at your neighbor, tell him he's talking about me. You, you shall be like a watered garden, like the spring of water whose waters do not fail. Glory to God. Jeremiah 31 and 12, their soul shall be well watered garden. So there's a spiritual fulfillment as well. Our spiritual water, God does, doesn't have any problem providing water in the wilderness to the natural and neither does he have a problem providing water to us in a spiritual wilderness he provided it for Moses and Moses spoke to the rock spoke to that rock and when he spoke to the rock water came out of it right it is true but here's what you have to understand he goes on I don't know what Moses said to that rock all I know is that water came out of that rock. But then he says that, that it's not just that the water came out of the rock, but he spoke to us in the New Testament, and he says that that rock was Christ. Now think about that. The scripture says that that rock followed them. I don't know what you'd think if you kept on looking around and a rock was following you. But that's pretty amazing. 
but that rock followed them, for that rock was Christ, right? And so now when that we understand that that spiritual water, the, the natural water was the source was Christ, the spiritual water, the source is Christ. And so when we talk about a spring of water, a river of water, we've got to understand that God did something in the land of Israel for his people in that area, in the natural, that confused the scientists to this day. They don't understand it. They don't know how that such a small little uh, a, a nation can provide so much water not only for its own, but to export it and to be able to raise all of the fruit and vegetables that it does. But he also does something for you and for me in the area of spiritual water. I do not have to live in a dry land even though I live in a fallen world. I don't have to live in, a, I can live in a river. I can live where there is living water that is flowing. And so that's what I really want to focus on this morning for a few moments is the fulfillment of the Messiah's promise 2,000 years ago. And so here's number one. Jesus brought the Holy Spirit when he came. He didn't bring just a stream. He brought a river. Jesus brought the Holy Spirit and now before we go to verse John in chapter 8, I need to give you a little background of this verse because a lot of folks know it. But it's talking about the last day feast there in the tabernacles. And it is talking about the last day. And on the last day of the uh, tabernacle feast, they set it aside and they prayed for two things. They prayed for the Messiah to come. And they prayed for rain to come. That was the two things on the last day of the feast that they prayed for. In Zechariah chapter 14 and verse 16 and 17, it said, And it shall come to pass that everyone who is left of all the nations which came against Jerusalem shall go up from year to year to worship the King and the Lord of hosts and keep the Feast of Tabernacles and it shall be that whichever of the families of the earth do not come up to Jerusalem to worship the king, the Lord of hosts, on them there will be no rain. So here's what happened. On the Feast of Tabernacles every year they'd come to Jerusalem. And on that last day they would pray for specifically for the Messiah to come and for rain to come. And the Messiah comes, and when he comes, he turns the desert into a pool. There's going to be plenty of water where the Messiah is. Amen? So they prayed for rain, and they prayed for the Messiah to come, and they would actually take their flagon, and they would go, and they would fill it full of water, and then they would take that, and they would pour it out as an offering, if you will, uh, and, and they would pray that God would give them rain. They would take that pitcher, and they would fill it up, and they would pour it out, and empty it you know we'd probably use it for iced tea or something like that today but they would pour it out and so they would play the shofar and they would uh, at the temple and they would pour out this offering before God and they would pray for rain and pray for the Messiah pray for rain and pray for the Messiah 
And then John chapter 8, the verse that he said that I'm about looking at here t- today with you. He's, he's, he, people don't realize that what was going on when this was written. But he said on the last day, the great day of the feast, Jesus stood and cried out. He's at the temple. He's doing this ceremony. And on the last day, the day they always pray for the Messiah and they pray for rain. He says, if anyone thirsts, let him come to me and drink. He who believes in me, as the scripture has said, out of his heart or his belly shall flow rivers of living water. You know what he's actually telling them? Your prayer is answered. The Messiah is here, and I've got water. Amen? If you want water, I've got it. (laughs) Hallelujah. If you want water, I've got it. I've got it in a river form. I've got it that you'll never thirst again. I've got it that you'll never run dry, right? And then he said that, the verse 39, this he spoke concerning the Spirit, whom those believing in him would receive from the Holy Spirit was not yet given because Jesus was not yet glorified. Jesus came to us that you could have a dynamic, powerful river flowing out of your uttermost being. We don't have to go into dry places and be dry ourselves, but we can have a river flowing out of us, right? The scripture actually says rivers of living water. It's plural. I believe it has to do with the gifts of the Spirit. I believe that it has to do with the fruit of the Spirit. That there is a continual perpetual flow that is to be flowing out of our life. Where that no matter what the, the, the circumstances are that we're walking through. It does not dictate or determine what is flowing out of us. The problem is that the problem is not the storm. The storms are going to come. The problem is not is what on the is on the outside of our life. The problem is is when we allow what is on the outside to get on the inside. Because as long as the storm is on the outside of the boat, it'll never it'll never uh, be damaged or destroyed. But when we allow what is on the outside to get on the inside, it'll cause the ship to sink. It'll cause the difficulty in our lives. And so we've got to understand that we've got to have something on the inside. Greater is he that is in me than he that is in the world. There's always going to be a push from the outside in. But there's got to be something of greater force on the inside. From the days of John the Baptist until now, the kingdom of heaven suffered violence, but the violent took it by force. There's got to be something greater in you than what is coming against you. The pressure on the outside cannot be greater than the force that is on the inside. And so when the Messiah came, he brought water. What is the water? It is the Holy Spirit. It is the Holy Spirit. And the Holy Spirit, there is no greater force than the Holy Spirit. Have you ever thought about how the symbols of the Holy Spirit are water, they're fire? Some of the things that you can't control, you can't control a fire. You can't control water. 
When a water begins to burst forth, we've re even recognized that this week. You cannot control or dictate where water goes. It's just going to go where it wants to go, huh? And that's the power, that's the force of the Holy Spirit that when he is released in our lives, he does what he desires to. There's nothing on the outside that we are facing or will ever face that is greater than the power and the force of the Holy Spirit that lives on the inside of us. And one of the reasons that Israel had so much water is because of the springs. <clears throat> they have rain in the mountains of course but in studying they say that if you ever go to the northern part of Israel there are three springs in the northern part of Israel that water the entire land and when you get there they're like a fire hydrant that is just gushing out of the ground years it's been doing that and they say that it's amazing it's just a spring. It's just a water coming out of the ground for no apparent reason, 24 hours a day, seven days a week. For all of these years, it's producing water in a wilderness. <clears throat> it's interesting how that just springs come up. Over on our place, we've got three different places that even in the driest seasons there's water comes out of the ground all the time it's running all the time one of the places had to dig a ditch just to keep the water keep it off of everything else because there's water coming out of the ground for no apparent reason but God put that water there amen God put that water in Israel at a specific place so that it would flow down out of the mountains to the lower lands so that it would produce for the whole uh, whole nation there's a spring coming forth out of you out of your belly shall flow rivers right rivers of living water that holy spirit that spring if you will has been put on the inside of you <clears throat> Let me explain a couple of things here about the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit, the Greek word, is paraclete, right? Para means alongside, kalit means to walk. And so the paraclete is one who walks alongside. The Holy Spirit wants to walk alongside you. <clears throat> Wouldn't that be all right? No, the Holy Spirit walks with you to every business event you have today, every job, every school, every place of, of work, every time you get in the car, Holy Spirit's in the car. Every time you have to go here, there, or whatever you're doing throughout the day, Holy Spirit's walking alongside you. We don't, we don't look at it that way. We think Holy Spirit something that we come to church and get. And it lasts for an hour. And then we go home and leave Holy Spirit at the church. But he wants to go with us. That's who he is. He's to walk alongside of us. To lead us. To guide us. To, he, he's a great counselor. He gives wisdom. He gives direction. 
right? That's great. But the problem is, is do we use him? Does we allow him to give us counsel? Do we allow him to give us wisdom? The other English word is parable or parable. Para means alongside, bowl means to throw. And so when you look at a parable, what Jesus is doing is he is uh, alongside of the truth. He is throwing a story so that we can better understand a truth. Amen. It's where Jesus says this is a truth, but you can't understand the truth. So I'm going to throw a story alongside of it so that you can better understand the Holy Spirit. Right. So you can better understand what he wants to do, who he is, because just think about it. You know, um, when we talk about Father God, then we should be we understand. And I know it's been uh fatherhood has been messed up in our country and even the world but we know what a father is or supposed to be right we know what a son is supposed to be but what's a holy ghost there's nothing to relate him to there's nothing to compare him to And so he throws alongside of it, understand that it is like a water. The Holy Spirit's not water, but it's like water. The Holy Spirit's like fire, but it's not fire. He's like a dove, but he's he's not a dove. But but he throws that out there so you can better understand the, the, the attributes or the character of the Holy Spirit, right? Paraclete is translated sometimes helper or counselor or intercessor. The old King James, which um, most of us was probably brought up on, it, tr- it translates comforter, right? When the comforter shall come. And I, I think about this, I think about the comforter because, you know, a lot of times, um, I don't know at your house, or, but um, Renee, she's got some pillows that she puts on the bed. Now, we don't use those pillars, but she puts them on the bed. They're, they're there for nice, right? And uh, then you have some people that have these big, fluffy, cute comforters that you put on the bed. But you don't dare use those comforters. They're there for cute. They're there for nice. But you don't use them. Right? Because they're just for looks. And I just wonder, I just wonder if the comforter for many people isn't just for looks. If the Holy Spirit in many Christians' lives today isn't just for, for looks. We have churches that he's just for looks. We have other churches that he's not for use. All right? Oh, I've heard people say, well, we believe in the Holy Spirit, we just don't operate in it. Then other people say, 
the Holy Spirit is part of the Godhead, but, but he's just not for use today. But he is for use. He's more than just a cute comforter that you put on top of your life so that your life looks better. He is for use, right? He is for us to, to, to use and to, to be a comforter to us, but also to be a paraclete, to walk alongside of us and give us wisdom, give us direction, give us counsel, and speak into our lives. Amen? Are you using the comforter? That's what my question is. Are you using the comforter? Or is he just for looks in your life? The second point that I want to make is today is that the Holy Spirit is not weird. The Holy Spirit's not weird. I've heard people say, well, I don't want nothing to do with that because uh, the Holy Spirit, that's weird. I'm going to help you theology today. The reason why that people that say they have the Holy Spirit is weird is because they weird. If somebody's doing weird things that has the Holy Spirit, I promise you they was doing weird things before they got the Holy Spirit. Amen. Because the Holy Spirit don't do weird things. You have some weird people do some weird things. But the Holy Spirit doesn't do weird, don't, does not lead people to do weird things. Amen. They were weird without the Holy Spirit. In fact, they did a poll uh, recently and they said one out of three people are weird. Now what I want you to do is look to your right and look to your left. And if the one on the right and the one on the left don't look weird. <laughs> no, I'm kidding, I'm kidding. It isn't, they didn't do a poll and it isn't one out of three, it's one out of two. But when you grow up, you know, and, and you grow up in Pentecost, it isn't something that's weird to you. It's not strange to you. It's not different to you. I, I grew up in a Pentecostal church, but there wasn't no weirdos. They didn't do weird things. Now, I've seen some supernatural things, but I've never seen weird things. But when you're growing up in a small town and you're the only Pentecostal church in town, people will start telling stories and tales that aren't necessarily the truth. They haven't been there, but they heard about something and then they just have their, their own conjure up their own stories and, and give the Holy Spirit a bad name, right? You know, I remember growing up in, in Pentecost and whenever you went to... Um, Pentecostal churches, not only was it the Holy Spirit, but, but they had a different code that you had to dress by. And you had to, women had to wear, you know, sleeve, long sleeves, and men had to wear long sleeves, and had to wear dresses, women had to wear dresses, and, 
and uh, you, had, you couldn't cut your hair. Right? So that was a woman's glory and all of that. And, you know, men shouldn't never be dressed like this, for God forbid, to preach. Uh, because uh, I've got my elbows showing and, and all of that. And, but I'm not making, you know, uh, fun of people's convictions. People ought to have convictions. I wish they had more convictions today. But what I want to point out is this is, you know, whenever I grew up as a, a teenager and, and, you know, and women, they weren't allowed to wear makeup, <clears throat> couldn't wear ear bobs. And jewelry, it, you was going to hell. If you wore makeup and jewelry, then the next sermon was going to be on Jezebel. and You were going to hell with her and all of that, right? But as a young man and young teenager, I thought whenever, you know, you'd look around and all these folks, they weren't able to wear makeup, they weren't able to fix up or nothing. And I thought, my God, I'm going to have to marry an ugly woman. Thank God we got over that. <laughs> yeah, we got past all of that. But, and I know that's probably a little too much humor for some folks, but reality is, is the Holy Spirit's not weird. He don't make you do weird things, and I promise you today, if people are acting weird, it's because they are. They don't have nothing to do with the Holy Spirit. Because the Holy Spirit isn't going to make you do anything. And in fact, I'll even go this far to tell you this. I've heard some people say, well, I just have to do this. I can't help it. If there's something got a hold of you that you can't control, it's a demon. And you need to cast it out. Because the Bible said the spirit of a prophet is subject to a prophet. And I have to submit myself to the Holy Spirit for the Holy Spirit to work through my life. To use me. Never one time have I ever said anything that he put on me that I didn't want to say. I've never went anywhere. I've never done anything that he, that he wanted me or I felt impressed that he wanted me to do. But then I just said, well, I just don't want to do that. But he made me. He, that don't happen. Amen. You've got to be a willing vessel. That's the reason why you have to submit your, your life to him. Right? Even though there's wonderful people in all of these camps and people that really are sincere and believe, I want you to know today that the Holy Spirit is, is just like God the Father. He's just like God the Son. Amen. And he don't make people do weird things. John 16 and 12, uh, he said, I still have many things that I want to say to you. I still have many things I want to say to you, many things, but you cannot hear them now. However, when he, the, the spirit of truth has come, he will guide you in all truth. Jesus says the Holy Spirit is going to tell you. For he will not speak on his own authority, but whatever he hears, he will speak. That right there settles it. That the Holy Spirit speaks 
right? The Holy Spirit speaks. Some people say, well, he doesn't speak. He speaks. He'll speak and he'll tell you things to come. He'll guide you in all truth, right? How's he going to guide you? In all truth. How does he know? Because he knows all truth. He is all truth, right? He's the third person of the Godhead. God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit. Amen. He knows everything. So that's how he's going to teach you. That's how he's going to guide you. That's how you can trust him. It's because he knows all things. Have you ever been ready to go do something and, and you had somebody who had done it before, but not only had they done it before, they had done it many times before and they were successful at it? I love being around people like that because it puts my nerves at ease. Even though I may not know how to do it, I know that they have been successful in doing it over and over again and they are with me. So therefore, I can believe that this is going to be successful today because they know what to do and I'm just going to listen to them and do what they tell me to do. That's the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit has never failed. The Holy Spirit has never let us down. The Holy Spirit has never done it wrong. He has always done it 100% right every single time. Glory to God. And when he is leading us, he is guiding us, he is beside us, he gives us what we need to be able to be successful in everything that we're doing. <clears throat> Amen. And the only way that it'll stop in church is if you stop it in church. But I'm telling you, this will work for you at work. This will work for you at the house. This will work for you. There's been times whenever I didn't, I forget where, I, you know, silly little brain ain't working. Forget where I put something. And I said, Holy Spirit, I, I need that. Amen. And they bring it back to my memory. I would remember where I at the last time and go there and it'd be there. Amen. Holy Spirit can bring things to your remembrance, but he can also give you direction or wisdom for the future. Places you've never been. Right? So think about this. If he knows everything about everything and he lives on the inside of us, why don't we talk to him about everything? Why don't we let him teach us? Why don't we ask him how to raise our kids? Why don't we ask him about how, how, how we should do at work? Or should we take this job or not take this job? Or should, how, how about God, where am I to live? What is, what's going on? And everything that we do. Let the paraclete, the one that's walking alongside of us, teach us, lead us, guide us, and direct us. Why don't we ask him about our business? Where to live, where to move, where to buy, not to buy. He knows everything. Amen. And I'm, I'm all about getting education. But let me tell you, 
You can be as educated as you can get and still be an idiot compared to the Holy Spirit. I'm not calling you an idiot. I'm saying compared to the Holy Spirit, you and I are fools. We don't comprehend. We don't know. We don't understand because we don't know the whole of everything of anything. <laughs> but he knows it all. Amen. Here's the reason I think people don't talk to the Holy Spirit. I think that they don't see him as a person. And you'll never develop a personal relationship with the Holy Spirit if you don't see him as a person. Think about the word personal. You develop a personal relationship with a person. And the reason I underline he is because he is not an it. Right? I mean, been in the church long enough, used to sing a song, and I, I hate to split hairs and all that, but you know that little Kirk, uh, chorus, it was real catchy, send it on down, send it on down. Lord, let the Holy Ghost come on down, send it on down. It ain't an it. It's a he. He's a person. He's a third person of the Godhead. And we need him in our life and we need to develop a personal relationship with him. God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit. What's his name? God. His name is God. He lives on the inside of us. Right? Here's the third thing. Let the river flow. Let the river flow. God said, those who thirst come to me and they're going to be a river flowing out of them. James 3 and 7 says, for every kind of beast and bird and reptile and creature of the sea is tamed and has been tamed by mankind. Think about that. The lion, the dolphin, every creature has been tamed by mankind, but no man can tame the tongue. Right? No man can tame the tongue. It says the tongue can set the forest on and fire an entire forest. Have you ever said something that set the forest on fire? The fire, the relationship on fire, the, the circumstances on fire. <clears throat> I read a, a poem one time, I guess it was a poem, it was on a little billboard in a basement of a church. And it said this, it said, the unkind word is like the first winter frost. No matter how much the sun comes out afterward, the damage has already been done. You can spend years building up your reputation of who you are and, and tear it down in a moment of anger or an unkind word. The tongue is like a rudder of a ship. And it turns the big ship, a small member of the body. But listen, no man can tame the tongue. Right? Isn't it interesting that the, the, the very thing that the Holy Spirit, the Bible says that, that no man can tame the tongue, 
But yet for you to receive the third person of the Godhead of the Holy Spirit, you must submit your tongue to him. You must surrender that to him. You must give it to him. And then he gives us the precious gift that Holy Spirit comes to live on the inside of us. Right? So what if, why if, if no man can tame the tongue, what's our hope? Our hope is the Holy Spirit. Because what we cannot tame, the Holy Spirit can. Right? I've heard people say, well, I, I was thinking that I just well say it. No, you, no, shut up. Do not do that. Amen. You don't need to say everything you think. Don't let it out. Right? It isn't good for anybody. You're going to set the forest on fire. You're going to burn it to the ground. Right? <clears throat> Wisdom will tell you, keep it to yourself. And let the Holy Spirit tame that tongue. <clears throat> right? So that the, the tongue is submitted to the Holy Spirit. And then he gives us, is, enables us to be able, even in difficult times, even in times under pressure, the Holy Spirit will give us the words to say. Amen. He'll give us the words to say in times of prayer because we don't know how to pray as we should. But the Holy Spirit comes to pray for us and through us. Glory to God. You know, whenever you've come to the end of yourself and you don't know how to pray anymore and, and you've come to the end of that, don't stop there. Let the Holy Spirit pray through you. Because it is there that he prays the perfect will of the Father for your life. We pray according to our own knowledge and our own wisdom and our own understanding. But remember, he knows everything. And he knows how to pray the will of the Father for us. And so that Holy Spirit comes. And when he comes, there's the gift of tongues, right? Where there is a, a it's called tongues and interpretation when the Holy Spirit uh, comes upon an individual and they give a, 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 a tongues that it's called and, and it is in an unknown tongue or an unknown language and then there is to be an interpretation of that, right? And that's in a public place. That's in a church setting such as this. But you will use the Holy Spirit and the Holy Spirit is far more. This is my own conviction. But the Holy Spirit is far more for your individual growth and your own prayer life than it is for corporate body. That does not negate the gifts of the Spirit. I'm just saying the Holy Spirit comes to live on the inside of you. And if the only time that you use and allow the Holy Spirit to do anything in your life is at a church service, then he has not accomplished what he has been sent to do. He should be a part of your prayer life. He should be a part of every day of your life. He should be leading you, guiding you, and directing you so that the Holy Spirit will flow like a river. You don't stop a river. Huh? As the scripture has said, out of your heart or out of your belly shall flow rivers of living water. Now, some people say, well, I get tired. The Holy, you get tired, but the Holy Spirit doesn't. Amen. 
Amen. That's the reason why that I'm convinced that, that, you know, I know that you can't be cutting up and joking and all of that and the Holy Spirit speak through you. But I'm talking about that you're in a, a, in a mindset. I believe that any time you can pray in the Holy Spirit. Now, there's a spirit of prayer that comes, but I believe that if you have, have the gift of the Holy Spirit living on the inside of you at any time, you can begin to pray in the spirit. Why? Because the Holy Spirit don't ever quit. It don't stop. All we have to do is prepare ourselves and get in that place. And once we get in that place, the Holy Spirit is always ready to pray for us and pray through us, right? We don't have to have a falling out if you don't believe that. You can be wrong. <laughs> But I believe the Holy Spirit wants to pray for us. He wants to flow through us. But we just have to say, yes, Holy Spirit, I know you're a paraclete. You're the one that's walking beside me. You're, you know everything. So why, why? it would be foolish for me to not take advice from you. It would be foolish for me not to make this decision or go in this direction that you have spoken over my life because you know all things. Amen? How many thankful for the Holy Spirit? I'm thankful for him. When the Messiah comes, he will bring springs of living water. Rivers of living water will spring forth. The good news is the Messiah has come and the Holy Spirit is now available to us. Amen. Not just on a good Sunday service when it feels like, you know, we're serenading heaven. But in your lowest season of your life, the Holy Spirit is still available and wants to work through your life and minister to you. Amen? Thank God. Thank God. Stand with me if you would today, please. Father, I pray today that you would speak to our hearts. You would help us here today. I pray that the precious gift that you have sent in the third person of the Godhead, the Holy Spirit, to lead us, to guide us, to direct us, that a river of living water would spring forth out of our uttermost being. I pray that you not be neglected. I pray that it not just be a comforter of cuteness, a comforter that God that would cover us of make us look nice but God that he would be used he would be submitted to that he would be a part of our lives individually and corporately in this church in this body and in every individual that God that we can see your goodness and your mercy in us God, we thank you for this today in the mighty name of Jesus. Thank you, Lord. Praise God.
on this morning with me.